Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 2, Episode 131 of this podcast for this year. We are studying the Come Follow Me materials today. We are concluding the week of May the 4th to the May the 10th, covering Mosiah chapters 11 to 17, a light that can never be darkened. And we're going to conclude looking in Mosiah 15. Um, so we haven't really managed to cover 16 or 17, uh, but... Uh, well, we did cover 17 towards the start of the week. Chapter 16 we've not really touched, so I do recommend you study that when you can. Uh, but um, in this uh, section, we're looking at how Jesus Christ suffered for us. But we're also going to mention the section which uh, is titled, How is Jesus Christ Both the Father and the Son? Now, we read um, at the start of Mosiah 15, verse 2, it says, And because he dwelleth in flesh, he shall be called the Son of God. And having subjected the flesh to the will of the Father, being the Father and the Son, the Father because he was conceived by the power of God, and the Son because of the flesh, thus becoming the Father and the Son. Um, and then in verse 4 it says, And they are one God, yea, the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. Now, again, I remember studying this with um, a investigator of the church and then being very confused, considering that I, we, me and my companion are taught that God was um, separate from the so God the Father and Jesus Christ the Savior and the Holy Ghost were all separate entities, and then reading this was very confusing uh, for that individual. But we, of course, have uh, an understanding why this is being said. It, ref it boils down to a number of things. First of all, the fact that the Savior has a number of titles, including the Eternal Father, because He is the Father of heaven and of earth. He is known as the Creator of these things and therefore the father of these things. He also has the name eternal because he is the son of God. He is, he has the power and the and the authority that the father has. Um, and also he's the father because he is the father of the covenants that we make. He is our spirit, not, he's not the father of our spirits, but he's the father of the covenant that um, is our, you know, our salvation. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, Robert L. Millet said this, quote, Jesus Christ is known as the Father by virtue of his role as the Creator. Christ is the Father through spiritual rebirth. Our Lord acted and spoke on behalf of the Almighty Elohim and is therefore known as Father by divine investiture of authority, meaning that the Father has authorized him to speak in the first person as though he were the original primal Father. Jesus Christ is the Father because Elohim has literally invested his Son with his own powers, attributes and powers. Close quote. So there is, an, well, all of those that I mentioned were, were mentioned in that quote. It is a number of reasons why he is given the title as father. And we remember that he is given many titles. Um, and because he's given those titles, he is, he takes on those attributes and, and, and that manifestation and that symbolism, not literally in some cases. For example, he is known as the good shepherd. Does this literally mean that he is a shepherd? Well, not literally, he is not a shepherd, but in characteristics, in attributes, and in and in um, you know, in the way that he goes about his work, he is like the good shepherd. Similarly, with the name the Eternal Father, he is not literally the Eternal Father, but in role, in name, in title, and in powers and attributes, he is like the Eternal Father, uh, and so uh, that helps us to have some sort of understanding there. Um, also, Joseph Fielding McConkie and Robert L. Millett said this, quote, Abednai's purpose in this sermon is to declare more than the unity of the Godhead. 
His is the pronouncement of pronouncements, the doctrine of doctrines, the message of messages, which is that Christ is God. And if it were not so, he could not save us. Abinadi declaring the true doctrine of the incarnation, he is teaching and testifying that God, Jehovah, will become a man, Jesus, that he who was the great spirit and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay, father and son, spirit and flesh, are brought together in one to form one God, who is the very eternal father of heaven and, of, and earth, Jesus Christ. Close quote. Christ is one God. Christ is one individual, one being, uh, and, he, what, and he is called the eternal father of heaven and earth as we learnt earlier from King Benjamin. Uh, and so there, once we understand these principles, there should be no confusion as to why he is called this uh, in, uh, in Abinadi's words. We move further on into verse 7, and, it's and he continues to talk about the Saviour's sacrifice. It says, Yea, even so he shall be led, crucified and slain, the flesh becoming subject even unto death, the will of the Son being swallowed up in the will of the Father. We know that the Saviour was completely submissive to his Father, and would do and did do all that his father asked. Neil A. Maxwell said this, quote, Spiritual submissiveness is not accomplished in an instant, but by the incremental improvements and by the successive use of stepping stones. Stepping stones are meant to be taken one at a time anyway. Eventually, our wills can be swallowed up in the, in the will of the father, as we are willing to submit, even as a child doth submit to his father. Otherwise, though striving, we will continue to feel the world's prop wash and be partially diverted, close quote. So we know that the Saviour was the example in this, that he uh, was able to have his will completely swallowed up by the Father. Um, and we are to learn from this example. Of course, we are not to expect that we'll be able to do this overnight, but it's something that we can work towards listening and seeking the will of the Father through personal revelation, which is important, and then striving to hearken to that will. Um, we then go further into what the Saviour did actually for us and how this has an impact personally on us. In verse 9, it says um, that he ascended into heaven, having the bowels of mercy, being filled with compassion toward the children of men. Um, and it goes into what he actually suffered for us. But then in verse 10, we start to learn why this is important. It says, And now I say unto you, who shall declare his generation? Behold, I say unto you that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And now what say ye? And who shall be his seed? These two to three verses were the, the were the mighty change that I had on the understanding of the atonement. Once I started to read these properly and learn about them, it opened my eyes completely to a different way that this atonement works. Merrill J. Bateman said this, quote, The prophet Abinadi further states that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Abinadi then identifies the Saviour's seed as to the prophets and those who follow them. For many years, I thought of the Saviour's experience in the garden and on the cross as places where a large mass of sin was heaped upon him. Through the words of Alma, Abinadi, Isaiah and other prophets, however, my view has changed. Instead of an impersonal mass of sin, there was a long line of people as Jesus felt our infirmities, bore our griefs, carried our sorrows and was bruised for our iniquities. Close quote. We know, we learn from this, that we are all the seed, the seed of the Saviour. In verse 11 it says, Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed that the Lord would redeem his people and have looked forward to that day for remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. 
So we are all the seed of the Saviour. I'm, I'm presuming those that are listening to this podcast are seeking to do the will of the Lord. And we are hearkening to the words of the prophets. And so if that is the case, we are all his seed. And as explained and as understood, um, he has literally seen us. He will see us each as individuals. Uh, and we have that ability to receive the blessings of the atonement as an individual. And the Saviour felt them as, an in, as individuals for all of us. Um, President Dallin H. Oak said this, quote, Latter-day Saints affirm that those who have been born again in this way are spiritually begotten sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, in order to realise the intended blessings of this born-again status, we must still keep our covenants and endure to the end. In the meantime, through the grace of God, we have been born again as new creatures with new spiritual parentage and the prospects of a glorious inheritance, close quote. The blessings are astounding for us. The blessings are 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 powerful and personal uh, on both levels that they are of with great you know eternal significance but also they mean so much to us individually and that's how this atonement works we then see in verses 15 to 18 that abinadi was answering ultimately the question that they had asked about the beautiful mount beautiful be beautiful upon the mountains were their feet uh, and we see that he is in direct response to their question which again it brings this back nicely to where it began with their original question um Thank you for listening today with this podcast. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it and there's loads more to study. So please, I encourage you to do so. I hope you enjoy your Sabbath and please um, respond back with your feedback. session at gmail.com. You can also join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. It'd be great to hear some more of you and have this podcast shared. Thank you for your time and until we meet again.